this this life is not all about money. Um, it's about, in my opinion, it's about you know making the most of the time that we've got here. So um, you know, don't be afraid to go out on a limb and, and make something happen. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. But until then, here's the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today I have Mark Johnson of Hobnell Trekking. And yeah, it's it's a really cool founder story. It all started with a lift ride, like a ride share it's going to be crazy how it goes from a lift ride to trekking in (laughs) Nepal. But uh, welcome to the program, Mark. Thank you very much, Mason. I'm happy to be here. Awesome, man. uh, Where are you coming from today? Coming from uh, Kingston Springs, Tennessee, which is uh, about 15 miles west of Nashville. Just a little tiny wooded eclectic community. Oh, yeah, it's eclectic? It's very eclectic. A lot, a lot of musicians and artists out here, and uh, everybody kind of lives in the woods and log cabins and stuff like that. And it's cool. It's kind of the wild west out here. <laughs> yeah. No. I, now I read that you're from uh, North Carolina, and uh, that's right. Also a former musician. That's right. What part of North Carolina? Well, I was I was born in Raleigh, uh, but I was raised um, mostly in the northwest. Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. What towns? Uh, well, it's a, a little town. The county is more well-known than the town. I'm from Ash County. Uh, the, the biggest town up there is West Jefferson. That's kind of near Boone, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. I know exactly where that is, man. I, my, my family's from uh, Brevard, a little south oh, of yeah. there. Oh, yeah. I've got some good friends in Sparta, Tennessee as well. Okay. Just west, west of Nashville, southwest a little bit, but yeah, man, I've been all up in there. That's that's an awesome part of the country. Yeah, it really is. I'm I'm blessed to have been raised there for sure. Yeah, and so uh, you know, you're you're in the woods in Tennessee, but you have started a trekking company with your wife, and that is something you did not foresee yourself doing just a few years ago. So why don't, why don't you tell us how the heck did that idea come about? <laughs> well, it is, it is a long and sordid tale, but I'll, I'll try to make it as short as possible. We, we, uh, my wife picked up John Krakauer's famous book into thin air, uh, which most people know about back in, uh, probably around 2004. And, sat up and read it and immediately and I, I can remember her sitting in bed reading this book and she would stop and look over and say honey you're gonna have to read this this is this is crazy this is amazing and so I, I did uh, after she finished and she got it in her head to do a, a trek to Everest Base Camp um, now back then we didn't even know such a thing existed we didn't know that that was something that people did and um she started seeing on facebook uh, uh, some friends of hers that had, had done this a few years later and and mentioned it to me and she decided to put it on her bucket list and she literally had a bucket list written out she put it on her her bucket list and then she made me one and put it on mine without without me even knowing <laughs> and uh so we, we kind of went on with our lives. We've, we've got three kids and, uh, we're very normal kind of people. Uh, and, and over the, over time, you know, those things kind of fade away. And most people that if you've got a bucket list or if you got things that you want to do that are kind of outlandish, you know, for, for most of us, they, they just kind of fade away and you just kind of forget about them, which is sad. So this, uh, over about a 10 year period, 
uh, we, we had thought about it from time to time. We never really looked into it. And in the, I guess, spring of 2015, something like that, mm-hmm. we um, took, took our kids to Disney World. And there's a Nepal section of Disney World. It's, it's, uh, it's Animal Kingdom, and they've got this Nepal section. And we went there one day, and we were just fascinated by how cool they, you know, this Nepal area was. Now it's kind of funny that you think about going to Disney World and being inspired by Nepal. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we really did, you know. So we talked more about it, but we, again, we didn't we didn't pursue it. And then that summer, the summer of I guess it was August 2016, my job as a communications director where I'd been for a while was, was kind of dying a a, a slow death. And I knew that I was going to be leaving that job at some point soon. Uh, at the same time I was having my truck worked on one day in Nashville and I needed a ride to go pick up my truck after it was done at the mechanic shop. And it it just goes to show you how God kind of works crazy, crazy, uh, designs and stories in our lives. But the night before I had I had actually uh, applied to a job with the company Lyft, the rideshare company Lyft, for a communications position there. The next day, I needed to pick up my truck, and I thought, well, I'll I'll download this app just so I could be able to to talk intelligently about it if I get called in for an interview. And so I, I, I hailed a ride, and I saw this little picture popped up on my phone, this little smiling guy, and it said, Dawa Jangbu. And I thought, okay, well, he ain't from around here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a few minutes later, this little car pulled up and I, I opened the door and I said, uh, the, the, this guy said, Mark. And I said, Dawa. And he gave me this big smile and he said, oh, you pronounced it correctly. And from that second on, me and Dawa became great friends. And it, it was just an immediate connection. So I got in the car. It was just a short 10 minute drive. And when we got to my mechanic shop, I got out and I said, by the way, where are you from? And he said, Nepal. I sat back down in the car and I said, wait a minute. Are you serious? You're from Nepal. And I said, do you know anything about the Everest Base Camp track? That's something that my wife and I have always wanted to do. And he sat back and he got this big grin on his face. And he said, he said, Mr. Mark, I am an Everest region Sherpa. I grew up in the Everest region of Nepal. I've done that trek many, many dozens of times. Oh, my gosh. So I, I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. This is, this is in Nashville, Tennessee, of all places. And I just happened to be picked up by a Sherpa. So we, uh, we quickly exchanged uh, phone numbers. And I said, I'd love, if, if you would sit down with my wife and I just to talk about this, I'd love to, to discuss it with you. He said, absolutely. We, we exchanged numbers. And he drove away. The next day, I left my job. Now, that wasn't it wasn't because I had met him. It was just, it worked out that way. That was a Thursday. And the following Saturday, my wife and I met with Dawa at a Starbucks in Nashville. And we spent about an hour with him and he, he told us about this trek. And as soon as we sat down, he said, well, something else I didn't have a chance to tell you is that I'm actually in that industry. I own a trekking company in Nepal. Oh my goodness. So we were flipped out and we, by the time we left that meeting, we had decided we were going to go to Everest Base Camp in spring 2018. So that is crazy, honestly. Yeah, but keep going. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. So I spent the next several months uh, trying to decide what what to do, what I was going to do with my life now, because I I had been working kind of in the corporate world for more than 15 years and. Uh, as a as a former musician before that, I've always kind of been been wired to want to do my own thing. So working in the cor- corporate world was never comfortable for me. So after meeting Dawa, uh, actually, I started kind of training for this trek, and that it it, it amounted to me walking around a, a a nearby park walking track, just to, just to kind of get started, and. About three months after meeting Dawa, I was walking around this track one day, and I just had this idea just jump onto my brain. And the thought was, well, if we can get people to go with us to Nepal, 
which we we already had a lot of interest from our friends. Well, I'd love to do that. You're doing that. I'd love to do that. And and I thought, well, why don't we just start a little company? I've got the the ability to to make websites and uh, do communications. And Dawa has all the expertise in tracking and in the knowledge. I had also been doing some research and found that there were just no other tracking companies east of Colorado. Nobody did this. I believe it. So I thought, well, this is a niche that that I could fill, and I I believe we can make this work. That that's really how it all happened. It was entirely by chance, and uh, or you know, you could also say it was by design. But I had to I had to recognize the opportunity. And since since this has happened, I've I've talked to a lot of people about just simply recognizing opportunities when they when they appear right right and and i think this was one of them it was just kind of a god thing and and i decided to kind of step out on a limb and see if i could make it work you you know it's a lot of people read a book and maybe get inspired and want to do Mm -hmm. something but to go from you know just west of appalachia to Starting a company where you're trekking in the biggest mountains in the world, that is a jump. That I mean, that is a huge divide. from Coming from a town of, what, 3,000 people, 2,500 or so? Yeah, probably. Not many. I mean, yeah. that's a huge leap. Well, and it, it would be a huge leap for somebody that was, that was a, an experienced adventure sports person, but I'm not. Yeah. And so it's it's even a it's even a huger uh, if if I can use use the word huger. Let's do it. It's a huger <laughs> leap, you know, it, it's um now I was you know, I was raised in the in in a rural place and I I grew up hunting and fishing and camping and stuff. But yeah. I'm not one of those guys that that um I'm not the kind of person that you normally interview, put it that way. Okay. Um Yeah, yeah. And I I just listened to to your interview with the guy that propelled himself around the world, uh, under his own power. Um, uh, Eric, uh, Oh, yeah, was Ir- it Erdin? Uh, Erdin, yeah, Erdin, Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that released this morning. So you, you were on top of, you were on top yeah. of things. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's impressed by that guy, but I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for us to do something like this, it, it, it was a stretch, but you know, it's, it's been nothing but, wonderful so far it's been fantastic so is so your buddy dawa leading the expeditions or the the trekking yes okay and when we we go and we we like to go and talk to people we do we do presentations at various outdoor retailers in in the southeast now and i'm always quick to tell people i'm not the guy guiding your trek you would you would not want that because you'd probably die (laughs) so i'm just the guy oh my goodness I'm the guy that's that's arranging your logistics in America, and then I'm going to turn it over to the the real pros who are the Sherpas. Right, right. And I've just been fortunate enough to develop a a really good friendship with with uh, some really neat qualified Sherpas, uh, mainly Dawa and his staff, uh, which is now our staff. You know, they're just amazingly great guys. I mean that is that is an undertaking. So did you guys go and and trek to base camp? We did. Yeah. Was it I mean it, it's one thing to lay in bed and read a book, but to go do it, to get on the plane and ride all those hours to another country yes. and hike for days up there. What was yes. it like? Well, I'll start by saying it it lives up to the billing and and more. Um when you when you imagine doing that, Usually when you imagine doing something spectacular, when you actually get there and do it, it sometimes things don't always live up to your imagination. Yeah. This this does. Starting with the flights to Nepal, you know, you're you're on a we you can go different ways, but whether you go east or west, you're probably gonna be on a plane uh for around fifteen hours straight. And that that right there was was uh, was a new experience for us, and it frankly, it, I mean, it was tough, but it was it was fun and exciting too. Right, being in China uh, just just for a little while was was amazing, 
And then Kathmandu, I tell people, if you did nothing but go to Kathmandu and spend a few days there, that would that would be worth the flights. Kathmandu is amazing. You know, for, for somebody that's, that is an inexperienced world traveler uh, like myself, being in Kathmandu is just, it, it's just fascinating in so many ways. I, I think one of the great parts about it is that everything is different in Nepal. Everything is turned on its head from what you're, you're used to as an American. And, but the great thing about it is it's a, it's a safe country. You don't feel, you never feel threatened. You never feel worried about some kind of political unrest or things like that. It's just, for the most part, people are very welcoming. They're very friendly, especially when you get on the trail. When you get on the trail, it's, uh, you're, you're, you're treated like royalty in a lot of ways. The Sherpa culture is so, uh, uh, they're so welcoming and service-minded. And, uh, and they appreciate the fact that, that we've come to, to enjoy their, their country. So, uh, and they understand that tourism is their main economy. So you're, you're really treated in a way that's unlike anything you'll ever experience anywhere else. Uh, anyway, you know, Kathmandu, unbelievable. The temples that we visited, uh, the culture, everything there is just spectacular. Then you fly to to uh, Lukla Airport, which is otherwise known as the most dangerous airport in the world. Uh, I don't know who who coined it that. Yeah, but, I definitely heard um, that before. We had absolutely no problem. It was it was probably the most enjoyable uh, airplane flight I've ever been on. Just the excitement of flying into the Himalayas. Uh, when you fly from from India to Kathmandu, you're flying kind of beside the Himalayas. You can see them in the distance. But uh, when you go to Lukla from Kathmandu, you're you're flying into the mountains, and that's pretty wild. And you're flying right over the you know close over ridges and and beside cliffs and things. Unbelievable, it's, man. Yeah, it's it, it's exciting. So tell me this: what was it like going from Appalachia to the Himalayas? Yeah, uh, you know. I've always pictured it's kind of like the the difference between the Appalachian Mountains and the and the Rocky Mountains. You know, the Rockies seem very extreme and serious. You know, yeah, yeah. Com- compared to the Appalachians, Appalachians are are kind of like gentle old friends to me. They're they're just comforting and beautiful and feel like home. When we got in when we got into the Himalayas, it was just almost jarring how huge everything is and um extreme and i say it's it's much like going into the into the colorado rockies or or montana rocky mountains it's it's a big difference and it's from some for somebody from the from the east coast you know it's it's pretty cool so like i said before peak refuel is a new company making freeze-dried food And it's literally the best freeze-dried meals I've ever had. You can use it for backpacking, camping, hunting, whatever you want to use it for. And these folks are the real deal. They spent over two years researching the market and creating the perfect recipes. And it is just absolutely awesome. I used the meals on my last guided trip. The people on the trip could not even believe that it was freeze-dried food. Literally, you put a cup of water in it. It's like a cup or a cup and a half. It's, It's not very much water. And it tastes like it came from a restaurant. That's how good it is. If you're interested in ordering some yourself, you can get 20% off by going to peakrefuel.com and use ASP20 at checkout. I encourage you, go get some, try it for yourself. It's amazing. This is Colorado nature photographer John Fielder with a great idea for gifting our state this season. Don't get mad at me. My latest Colorado book actually takes the color out of colorful Colorado. Carpets of purple columbine, forests of yellow aspens, and buff-colored herds of elk are rendered in black, white, and gray. You'll be mesmerized by the edges, shapes, and textures of our most beautiful of states. You'll love it. Visit johnfielder.com to see my new book, Colorado Black on White. That's johnfielder.com. I've heard people tell me, like, it's like you're looking at mountains, and you think you're looking at the top of them, but there's clouds above those mountains, and the clouds right. move, 
and there's more. And then there's more, and you're just like, (laughs) oh, your neck keeps going up. Like, oh, my word, I can't believe those are that high above me. I'd I'd love to see them. I've never seen them. When we were flying uh, into Kathmandu from from China, there were there was about five minutes as I looked out the the window that I thought I was looking at clouds, and it there was a point at which this realization crossed crossed my mind, and I thought, oh holy crap, that's not a cloud, that's a mountain. That is awesome. So, and when you land in Lukla, you, you're you're surrounded by those mountains. Uh, we, you know, you step out of, you step out of the plane and, you know, we were so, our group is so excited that we, and we could hardly even get off the tarmac without, you know, hooting and hollering and screaming and jumping on <laughs> each other and pictures. everything, you know, <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and you're, you know, you're, you've got so much adrenaline, you're ready to go. We usually, it'll take about an hour or so, uh, of, of staging, there in Lukla before you set off on the trail, that's an exciting time. And you can, you can look down this valley and see these peaks and know that's where we're going. You know, we're getting ready to walk into the wilderness for, for, uh, for 12 days, for 12 consecutive days. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the airport right now, uh, a kind of a 360 panorama and man, the, the runway is just on this like terrace. Right. It looks like it just <laughs> drops off right after that is nuts. In the mountains, yeah, you, good, good gracious. There's no room for error when you <laughs> land at, at Lukla. There's no, no, there's no, no touch and go. You know, there's no abort. They, they've got to do it right uh, the first time. Yeah, because the other side's a cliff wall. <laughs> That's right. There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. So, so can I ask you this? How far along that journey did the idea to start the trekking company come? Was it on the trip? Was it before or after? No, it was, it was before. So <clears throat> basically what happened when, when we left that meeting with Dawa and, and we had decided to go, we started talking to people about it just like you would, you know, Oh, right. Right. You right. know, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Nepal in two years. And we started noticing that a lot of people would say, Oh, how do you do that? That, you know, I, I've always wanted to do that. And so Really, the way it began was after a few weeks, I, I, I told Holly, I said, what if we if we could put a, a group together, Dawa would give us a, a break on our cost. So that's that's how it, that's how it started. We we uh, we discussed that with Dawa. He said, sure. And he, he gave us a basically a little breakdown. OK, if you bring three people, your trek will be this much. If you bring five, blah, 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 blah. And when the idea came to me to actually start a company, I then went back to Dawa and we worked out a kind of a subcontractor deal where he, he gave me a price per trekker. And then we added a margin on top of that based on what we thought we would need and the marketing we were going to do and the things that we would offer our trekkers and uh, that sort of thing. And then we, we did a lot of research um, with other trekking companies and pricing and, you know, we didn't want to, and, and we're not, we don't, we don't want to be an economy company. We want to be a, <clears throat> a company that you're going to pay a fair price and you're going to get a lot of stuff and you're going to get a lot of service and, and a lot of personal service. But we also, we're not interested in pricing ourselves out of the market either. So there, there are some very large and, and well-known companies that I, I won't mention, but if I said their name, you, you'd say, of course, that offer this trek, you're going to get the price that is attached to their name. Yeah. And, uh, I believe it. That's not what we wanted to do. And the second part of it was we, we wanted to create a company that would make the Nepal trekking experience less mysterious and easy and approachable. I assume. And approachable, right. Something that, if you've got this on your bucket list, we're going to give you a place to come on the internet, at least to come learn about it in a very straightforward, non-threatening way. That's easy to understand. It's, it's in English. I encourage people to call and talk to me. Uh, and people do, um, you got to put up with my Southern accent, but yeah, I'm from the South too. So I, (laughs) you've drawn it out of me a little bit already. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. 
so uh, we we just wanted to take the mystery and the and the the worry out of out of doing this trek. Uh, so we had created the company before we before Holly and I actually went. You know that was another crazy thing. I mean, who does that? I was going to say, man, that's uh the Everest culture and the trekking culture is huge. Did, it's I mean, huge, did you yeah. ever feel intimidated about just? approaching right into that like just walking right in and saying hey we can do this now and you, you get there and say holy cow this is bigger than what i realized well let me let me say this i would never have the the gall to do that I, i'm crazy but i'm not an idiot i would never have the guts to do that were it not for the fact that dawa was living here in nashville uh-huh. that that's dawa is the key to our whole company so he's he's got family that have immigrated here and he's had a family in Nashville, in the Nashville area for about 30 years. So his, over time, a lot of his family have, have been, ended up moving to middle Tennessee. He's the youngest in his, his family. So he moved over here about, uh, four years ago, but his goal was not, was never to, to move here and live here forever. His goal was to come here, uh, get a citizenship over time, work, learn, learn American culture, get better in English, but all that time to be promoting his country and, and his industry, and then to be able to go back and lead treks. So spend part of his time here, part of his time in Nepal. So the, the big opportunity that I saw as a, as a business guy was the fact that Dawa is a rock star. He's a, he's a young charismatic guy, good looking guy, speaks great English. He's funny. He gets American humor, but his, his charisma is just off the charts. People love him. And my thought was, I don't have to be the, an expert on, on trekking in Nepal. I, all I've got to do is be an expert in creating websites and putting forth the information that comes from Dawa. Right. Over time, I can I can I can become an expert in, in, in Nepal tracking, but I didn't have to do that to, at the beginning. So his, the, the important part or the scary part of the Nepal trek was was already covered by by Dawa. Otherwise, I never would have gone out and uh, spoken to people about this as if as if I knew what I was talking about. Of course, after we, we went there and, and did the trek and our trek was probably a little more intense even than most people, because. Uh, it, it was also a business trip for me and for my wife. So uh, I spent a lot of time talking to our, our staff there and getting to know these guys and learning uh, the ins and outs of the trek from a business standpoint as well as a, a tourist standpoint. So now I'm, uh, I, I, can, I feel more confident in uh, telling people about it and, and speaking more from a, you know, more of an expert on the trek itself. That's just such a huge life pivot to go from what you were doing before to this it is unreal and just to hear your story and know where you're from to know what it's a on the your business exists on the other side of the world and you're right. i mean it's amazing and you, yeah. i see that you offer like four or five different itineraries right now is right i guess you had to rely on dawa and uh his connections to to figure out those itineraries on top of your uh research Yes, yes, and no. When you, you know, another part about me is I'm a, a freelance writer. So, as a writer, you you're really a researcher. I'm very used to re having to research things and then write about them. So, you know, essentially that you, you become an expert for a very short moment in time as a writer, and then you move on to something else, and you forget all that stuff. Well, for me, <laughs> this this is like writing about Nepal, but but it it, it has continued. It's never it, it never stopped. So in addition to having Dawa as a, as a resource, I've also, I'm a, I'm a researcher and I've learned this stuff on my own. So those, those other itineraries are essentially the, uh, it's what is referred to as the classic Nepal treks. So mm -hmm. you've got Everest, Everest base camp, you've got Annapurna base camp, the Annapurna circuit, which is uh, consistently rated as the, as the, the best long distance trek in the world. And Gokio Lakes, which is a, an offshoot of the EBC track. Hmm. And then you've got uh, uh, Poon Hill, which is a, a much more accessible 
destination from Kathmandu. It's a faster track, but it's also uh, beautiful. No, it's just very impressive. But uh, can I ask you something straight up? How is uh, how's business going? Well, business is it's been uh, amazing, and it's also tough. And and I'll, I'll explain both of those. It's amazing in that we got so much interest so quickly. And it, if that had not happened, I probably wouldn't have continued with the company. But I suspected that there were a lot of people like us that were out there that just had no idea of how to proceed. Where you know what what's the first step to take? So when we started putting ourselves out into the world as a as a business entity, we we immediately got response. So we've got a lot of people that are very interested in doing the trek. We've already sent 19 Americans to Everest Base Camp. Holy cow. Wow. And that, that has all been in this calendar year. But the, the, the tough part about this business is that it's such a, a large commitment. You know, clearly it, it's, it's expensive, although it's not as expensive as most people think, which is one big reason why we decided to do this. But it, it, it still, it's an expensive trip and there's a large time commitment. So we tell people, really, you should block out of around 20 days to do this. Um, and that, and, and part of that is just wiggle room, um, in case you have any, any kind of flight problems, but it's hard for people to do that. You know, we're hardworking Americans over here and it's hard for people to, to take 20 days out of their schedule. So what that boils down to is you've got a lot of people that really want to do this trek, but usually it takes, at least a year of planning to make it happen for most people. So what we've got is we've got a lot of people that we met in 2017 and in 2018 that are planning on trips in 2019 and 2020. So that from a business standpoint, and it's really not that dissimilar from a lot from from a lot of startup businesses that you know you've got to you, you put your train on the track. And it takes a lot of work to get those wheels turning over two or three years. You, you know, that the train finally gets under its own momentum and starts heading down the track. That's, that's what we expected. Uh, and that's kind of what's happening. So we're very encouraged. And we've, the, the greatest thing is that we've already fulfilled a bucket list item, both for ourselves and for uh, 19 other people. In, in just this short amount of time. And that's, that's been inc- incredibly rewarding. No kidding, man. I mean, it goes from an idea in your head yeah, to 19 people have experienced it. Uh, that's a yep. success in my opinion. Well, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's been exciting for sure. So what, what are the people around you think maybe family and friends think you're crazy? Well, they think we're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But you know they they've lived they've been around me for a long time and they they know that that I tend to do crazy things so they're I, I think they they weren't entirely shocked but they were mostly shocked. Ah, uh, yeah. Can I ask this? What has been the most challenging part of starting a trekking company in Nepal, in Tennessee? Hmm. I think it's um, just communicating to people that they can do this is the biggest challenge. You know, when you're, we, we learn about Mount Everest from grade school on, and there's nothing in the world that's more foreign and remote and scary than Mount Everest. So you live your life with this knowledge of this, this giant mountain as being a place where only adventurers go there and people that are unlike yourself. And, when they get there, a whole lot of them never come back. You know, there's, Oh yeah. They, they just die up there. Yeah. That's not exactly true, but that's the image that most people have. So, you know, one of the hardest parts is just kind of having to break down that image a little bit and let convince people that, uh, yeah, it, it's doable in all the ways that you think it's not, you know, you're it's, it's not as expensive as you think. And it's not as tough as you might think physically, although it is, it's tough, but it's you don't have to be an Olympic athlete to do it. From an altitude standpoint, a lot of times I get people asking me, "Well, I'm I'm from the Outer Banks of North Carolina. How could I possibly deal with 
altitude of 17,000 feet. I tell people being able to perform at altitude is a, is a function of genetics. I've heard people say, you know, the, the best way to prepare for, for high altitude is to choose your parents wisely. <laughs> so That's hard to do, though. It's hard to do. And, and, you know, that's funny. But the fact of the matter is most people can deal with, with high altitudes if they approach it correctly. And that's why we have Sherpas. And that's why there's a, a very particular process to climbing to base camp. The people that get in that usually get into trouble are people that are from mountainous places like Colorado, for example, and are cocky about it. I've been climbing the Colorado Rockies for my whole life. I'm not going to have any problem with mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I live at 9,000 feet. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And then they move too fast and they don't drink enough. They don't hydrate enough or they don't, they don't do the things that they should do. But it, it's usually a, a the, the problem usually kicks in with people moving too fast. And if you, if you follow the instruction instructions of your Sherpas and you do exactly what they say, almost anybody can do this. You know, anybody in, that is relatively fit and we have some benchmarks. We, we, we tell people you should be able to do consecutive five to seven hour hikes by the time you depart to go to Nepal. So if you can go out, to your to a, a a fairly strenuous trail that's uh, that's a five to seven hour long trail. Do it, feel good. Get up the next morning, do it again, feel good. You should be able to do this this trip. I understand what goes into that. I do some backpacking trip planning, and the little things you have to think of for people. It's daunting enough for me when it's in the same state. <laughs> right, it's on the other side of the world. Yeah, how have you been able to find those details out and feel confident enough to portray that to people who are doe-eyed looking at this? Well, again, I would reference back to Dawa. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he, we, we've, he and I have sat down and had uh, very long conversations and meetings about exact. We, we've mapped out every single move of this track. So we know basically exactly what gear you should take, how heavy that gear can be. Uh, we, we've designed duffel bags that are, are designed to the specs of the, of the yak men and the porters. So our duffel bags are made to be carried either on a yak or on, on a porter's back to their specifications. And, and, and we have the right strap loops and all that stuff connected to them. We know uh, essentially the size range of your day pack that you should be carrying. And so we've, we've got all that stuff mapped out. You know, somebody that wants to do this trek, if they go through us, we're going to give you so much information that unless you just flat out ignore it, you know, you're not going to have a problem. If right, you do, if right. you do what we say, you're not going to have a problem. It, it takes the worry part of, well, crap, you know, what do I need? What's the gear I need? What, what kind of bag do I need? What kind of boots? We remove all of that worry for you. Your homework is to get yourself physically fit and, and ready. And, and that's it. Wow, man. That's so you, you guys pretty much send people a, a course before the trip even starts on what they need. How to we prepare. do. Okay. We do. We, we actually start six months uh, prior to departure and each month that trekker will get w- uh, what we call a trek planner. It's a, it's a P it's a PDF documents, about four pages. It's like a little publication. It will tell you what you need to do for that month, what you need to have done. You know, if you need to, if you should have gotten your passport by then, we'll, we'll tell you that any medications that you might need or all that sort of thing. And we'll let you know every month that you get closer, they go from six months all the way up to the last month. Wow. So we're going to give you uh, everything you need. Man, that is incredible. So I asked you what's been a challenge. What, what's what's something that's come surprisingly easy that you found like, wow, this is actually flowing a lot better than I expected? Um, I'd say the the openness and the the willingness of people to uh, especially like outdoor retailers to, to have us come and, and talk at their places. I think the, the deal is everybody is endlessly fascinated by Mount Everest. 
Oh, yeah. So this is a good statistic. There's about 30,000 people annually that do the, the Everspace Camp Trek. That's worldwide. And there's a guy named um, Alan Arnett who has become a friend of mine. He's been, uh, or by Outside Magazine, is the world's most trusted chronicler of Everest. So he's an Everest blogger. Alan gets about 3 million views to his blog annually. But yet there's only 30,000 people that do this trek. And there's probably about five or 600 people that climb Mount Everest uh, every year. So you've got a small number of people that actually do either the trek or the climb. But you've got millions and millions of people that are interested in it. They want to read about it. They want to watch movies about it. So, so the demand's there. The demand is there even if you're not going to go. So it's like having, you know, we, we're in a business that everybody seems to be interested in whether or not they're they're going to do it. I, I, I suspected that, but it's it's at a higher level than I than I knew. And it, it's been really cool. It's just fun to, to be in a business that people want to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. So so what are your uh, what are your hopes for the future for your company? Um, you know, I, I'm never I'm, I don't expect that thousands of people are going to rush to do the Everest, the Everest Base Camp track anytime soon. I think that it's always going to be something that's that's uh, outside of the norm for most people. My goal for our company is just to let people know that it, it's available. It's not as hard as they think. It's doable. And it is a life-changing experience, I can tell you that. For And, and anybody that, that uh, you talk to that does it, they, they'll tell you the same thing. It, it, is, it, it lives up to the billing. So if we can just simply get enough people in our in our pipeline to keep this this company going for the foreseeable foreseeable future you know i'll be thrilled uh you know i don't i don't think we're it's ever going to make us rich or anything like that but i think it's it's going to be very fulfilling to help a lot of people realize their bucket list dream of going there oh man you you talk about rewarding good gracious sending people yeah. here I, I mean i can't think of anything I don't know, just more fun to do with your time and energy. And I, I'm sure people's reviews afterwards and what they tell you, what happened, show you pictures. I, I can't imagine anything <laughs> greater than that, you know, just to know that you had such an impact on someone's life in such a positive way. It, 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 that's exactly true. Every time I see pictures of people smiling and selfies at, at base camp and stuff, I think back to that meeting that I had with Dawa in his car that day. And I realized, you know, if my truck had not broken down that day, none of this would have happened. By now, you certainly know who Bent Gate is. That's for a great reason. Bent Gate Mountaineering has been sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast almost from the beginning, and we really appreciate that. They've made it possible for all the great shows to continue coming your way. We want to say thanks by reminding you to go to them for your backcountry gear. If you live in Colorado, then just stop by their store in Golden. If not, go to bentgate.com. They have what you need from the latest ultralight gear to the tried and true classics for climbing, hiking, and camping, like Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice? They have you covered there, too. Their staff are passionate adventurers who can offer help from their own experiences. Bentgate also hosts lots of events and speakers. Check out their website to see the schedule and to see all of their products. Help take care of the Adventure Sports Podcast by getting your gear from Bentgate Mountaineering. One of the, the other wonderful things for me that's come out of this uh, experience so far is that I've written a book about it that, that I'm going to be releasing and just uh, less than two weeks um, on, on Amazon. It, it's called Doofus Dad Does Everest Base Camp. <laughs> and, uh, so, okay, and, Doofus Dad. Uh, you know, I apologize. I haven't asked you. I've just been so fascinated with your story. So no, far. no. I'm sure we could talk for about three hours. So <laughs> what the heck is Doofus Dad? <laughs> well, I'm, I, I, I've been a blogger for a long time, and I'm, I tend to be a humor a humorist. I've written a lot of funny stuff over the years. I, I was a my wife and I were, were CrossFitters for, for quite a long time. And I've, I've written a lot of funny stuff about CrossFit and, um, and uh, how much, and how much you hate it. 
right that's right yeah i i I see you read that story yes Uh, yes i I did i did plenty of research beforehand and uh right that was pretty funny i feel the same way right right so um the whole doofus dad thing came out of i i wanted to play on this cultural stereotype that has really come up over the past i'd say 15 20 years that portrays fathers as being idiots in, in in popular culture. You watch any TV commercial and the dad is always portrayed as this bumbling fool and the, oh, the yeah. mother, the, the wife or the mother is, is the person that's got it under control and is, you know, uh, smart and competent and, and all that, which in my case is pretty much accurate. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You know, nonetheless, it, it's a, it's annoying. And I've decided I created this brand doofus dad to kind of uh, play on that stereotype, you know? So the story of, of Everest base camp that I've written, it's not so much humor as it is t- telling a, a, the, the story of our trek. And there's, there's some drama in there and some adventure and I won't give, I won't give that stuff away, but it really was an event, an adventure. And it's, it's told from my perspective as a guy that had never really been out of the country and had never done anything as crazy as this and who was exposed to all this insane culture and uh, physical challenge and all that. So the book, I, I wanted to, I wanted it to be entertaining and also be a resource for people that want to do the trek. So I've included in the book, uh, there's an itinerary. There is uh, uh, trekking statistics from every day, of, from each day of the trek. Uh, that's altitude gains and um, trekking time and all that. Uh, there's a, comprehensive gear lists. Uh, what else? There's a, a trek map. There's a training guide. So all of this is is in the book. And when you get the book, uh, I make that stuff available for for free download. I've got a, a website set up with with a ton of extras and videos and photography and and downloads and things. So, if you get the book, you're gonna get you're gonna get a whole lot of stuff related to that trek, and hopefully it'll be fun. So, I'm real excited about it. It is scheduled for release on Tuesday, November 13th. So just in a couple of weeks, and that's okay. that's gonna Perfect. be it'll. I've really spent a lot of time on it. So it'll be in paperback uh, as an audio book and also as a Kindle, a Kindle book, Kindle download. Um, the audio book is, is read by me and we, we incorporated uh, a lot of the sound effects that were taken from video that we shot. So it's a, it's a really cool experience to listen to the audio book. Yeah, man, it's it's a little off topic, but, you're in the middle of a startup, and you wrote a book and did an audio book. You're, you're a busy guy, and you got three I'm kids. pretty busy, yeah. I'm pretty busy. Yeah, I mean, how the heck do you organize your time? I don't think it is organized, Mason, to be honest with you. It feels very <laughs> disorganized to me, but, uh, uh, oh, man. you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty fast writer, and as soon as I got back, I just, you know, my wife... Uh, God bless her. She she said, you know what? You take the next couple months to write this book, and I'll I'll kind of clear the the schedule and take care of things. And I, I wrote it in about in about five weeks. That's awesome. Well, dude, this is all inspiring. How, how can people find out about you, and how can people uh, keep up with what you're doing? Uh, well, that'd be great. Um, the easiest way to to do that is to is to visit our websites. The, the trekking website is, is hobnail trekking co.com. So it's uh, uh, H O B N A I L trekking co.com. And, uh, and then my, my writing blog site is doofusdad.com, And uh, that's D O O F U S D A D.com. So I, I realized when I, when I named that, that uh, there's not a, an agreed upon spelling of doofus in the English language. You can <laughs> right. How appropriate. <laughs> much, much like uh, the word Nepali words, you'll you'll find out in Nepal that spelling is just kind of arbitrary over there. Right. So uh, sound it out. <laughs> you sound it out right. So 
that's what I did with Doofus Dad. I just sounded it sounded it out. That's uh, perfect, man. Um, I appreciate you being on the show. This has been incredible, and uh, I think it's going to inspire people to look into what you're doing. Maybe go on a trek with you, and at the very least, inspire them to pursue an idea that they have that they might not think they're uh, suited for. If you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I would I would add to people for people. You know, if you if you're not doing something for a living that you're passionate about, you need to to find a way to do it. So be creative and make it happen this this life is not all about money um it's about in my opinion it's about you know making the most of the time that we've got here so um you know don't be afraid to go out on a limb and and make something happen awesome man well uh yeah good luck on everything you are doing and i'm i'm wish you the best and i'm gonna be keeping up with you so please do i'm sure we'll talk again soon please do all right buddy talk at you yes sir all right bye-bye all right bye Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP 20 at checkout.